Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode 72 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is Byron. I'm here with Gary. How's everybody doing today? I hope they're doing great out there. We're happy that uh, we're in their ears this week. Happy that everybody's listening. We've got a great interview uh, this week and next. What do we got? Who, who are we interviewing, Byron? A gentleman by the name of Steve Maxwell. One awesome. Of, yeah, one of the first American black belts. He is now uh, 60, 62 years old. He travels the world teaching uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and lifestyle fitness. Uh, just absolutely a great conversation uh, with Steve, and it was uh, long enough to where I split it in half, and, and you get him for two weeks in a row. So really good times, and a lot of good information coming out of Steve. Yeah, like you said, he was one of the first black belts. Uh, I remember when I first started, always seeing stuff from him. He was also one of the first guys into kettlebells. And before we'd ever hear about kettlebells, whenever I was trying to figure out how to use kettlebells, I'd always uh, Google Google him also for both my jiu-jitsu and kettlebells. So I've learned a lot from this guy, and I've never even met him. But uh, just from watching his videos, I've learned a ton. He, uh, he, he was actually the first person in the United States to start teaching kettlebells. So, oh, okay. I, actually, I just learned something. I he's he's all he's and he's still on like the forefront of uh, exercise and fitness. Uh, and he's yeah. he's he's up with what's new and and what what is good about it and what he doesn't like about it. So it's just he's just an amazing guy. He he travels around the world. Everything he owns fits in a backpack, and and, oh, he, that's awesome. and he he just travels. And I think we can talk more about that in the second part of the interview about how his his yeah. lifestyle is. But man. Really interesting awesome. guy. The whole the entire time during the interview, he's he's got uh, earbud in and a microphone with that, and he's walking around. He's 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 actively moving and 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 not standing still. And it's kind of fun. You can hear some birds in the background. It's kind of funny. Oh, uh, that's. But you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, sixty two years old, a black belt, just incredible fitness, and and that's what that's what the fitness lifestyle, the jujitsu lifestyle, does for you. You know, it keeps you keeps you going i mean here's a guy and and he'd probably <laughs> take care of 99.9 percent of the people in their you know in the 20s in their 20s yeah it's in that much better shape if you're finding yourself like getting to where it doesn't really matter what age you are but if you're getting up there and you feel like you're getting up there in age really listen to the part of the interview where he talks about intrinsic goal setting uh opposed to external goals because that's i think a, that's a big difference in in and how it helps you mentally be able to stay in the game longer and and, and do well. That's all. Do you know if that's in the first part or? That's in this. Part? That's in today. That's in this, today. this episode. Okay. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I can't wait to hear that part. Yep, Gary. Happy birthday, buddy. Yes. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Getting younger every year, aren't you? Forty-eight years young. Forty-eight years young. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know so, if that's good. Doing do anything fun today or uh, get any mat you time know, in? I got a double rolling session in from uh, 9 to 11, came home, ate lunch with my family, and then I got another two to f- from 2 to 4 in, and uh, 4 o'clock we're doing the podcast. So uh, then after this, I'll go grab something to eat. So awesome day. Can't complain. And Gary doesn't mind tonight, the snow, do you? No, I love the snow anyhow. <laughs> so uh, I forgot uh, shoveling snow there too, so between. But um, yeah, good day, and then tonight uh we've got the ufc and then also we've got uh 
two of our few former guests, uh, Jason Bircher and uh, uh, Roly Delgado in jiu-jitsu tournament there, and also uh, Hanato Tavares. So uh, a lot of a lot of people we know in that tournament. Yeah, it's we got an action-packed night. But of course, by the time this is out, people have already had the opportunity to see it. Yep. So uh, if you haven't haven't yeah, seen I that, about that part. <laughs> the respect one. Yeah. Uh, go by the website and check it out. I should. I'll hopefully remember to put a link on the uh, show notes because hopefully they'll put the matches up. I don't know if they will or not, but yeah. But they're and hopefully be that good. it's respect one. Hopefully uh, they keep putting putting these together because that's a incredible uh, incredible lineup they have. Absolutely, it looks like a just absolutely great card of of uh, jujitsu super fights. So yep. Some uh, I already mentioned a little bit about like uh, we talked about goal setting. He also has uh, a really cool tip for uh, breathing on the mat, how to, how to control your breathing. So, so d- that's definitely worth it right there. It, it's a fun one. You, I'm looking forward yeah. to trying it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to it and then trying it. So, Gary, you're, you're you would you say, 48 now? You got two two mat sessions the day you turn 48. Definitely, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 35, uh, and I had to sit out today because my – Lower back is sore from playing dodgeball. <laughs> hey, though, so. dodgeball, you can't beat that. <laughs> uh, it was it was like uh, I, I reached down to, you know, at the very beginning, you you sit against the wall, and then you run towards yeah. the middle, and you grab the ball. Yeah. So I, I reached down, and I, I tried to grab two, and, like, the motion of me getting back up quickly, that pulling on my back, like, oh! And then, you know, of course, you have to knock a hit by a ball, too. So. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you're... Uh, <laughs> On the mats, you know, four or five days a week, training hard and staying healthy, and you pull your back muscle playing dodgeball. That was a workout, so, though. It was. It's. It's, it's yeah, like dodgeball. I feel like a white belt, you know, because I'm um, a little amped up and I'm excited about it, and I'm I'm breathing hard. Although I didn't do much exercise, it's like like man, not that I'm not doing much exercise, but it didn't take you much. And if you're beginner at jiu-jitsu to get pretty darn tired, and I was tired from dodgeball and. I didn't really do. I mean, even if you play a lot, you don't even do. I mean, you throw a couple balls and then. But it was fun. But I'm a I'm a little sore. My I just I wake up and I just can't move very well for a little while and then, uh, and if I sit down for too long, it kind of acts up on me. But all in the episode, I've got you know Steve Maxwell who's 62 kicking butt and and you just have a birthday and I'm I'm the youngest guy at 35 and I'm all hurt. <laughs> so I should be back on the mat within a few days anyway. All right, Gary. Let's do. Let's let's get our uh, quote of the week here, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's no like. Uh, it's no victory without sacrifice. No victory without sacrifice. Yeah. What does that mean to you when you think back to to all your victories? Oh, it's like honestly, everything like all my victories, like you know, inside the match, outside the match, was a lot of sacrifice, you know. And uh, so came from very poor family, you know, and. Uh, so I had to like you know go through a lot of stuff like you know to to survive you know and uh, but I had a lot of help a lot of help from a lot of good people they like me and they helped me like all these many many years like you know like uh, help me with like good advice help me like financially you know help me with everything so I think like I, and I had to like sacrifice a lot of stuff you know and uh, to to make this happen. I think, like, you know, in any victory, man, like, uh, any victory, like, you know, if you win, if you go to a competition today, right, so you have been not trained for, like, a month. You're not trained, you just came to the school today, you say, hey, guys, I'm back training, they're like, oh, you got a competition this weekend. You say, no, 
I'll do it. I got enough to lose. So I go. Then you go there and win. You know, you don't have the same feeling because you didn't work hard for that. Yeah. You could be happy. Hey, guys, I won't look that nice. But inside yourself, you know, you know, you know, like, that doesn't mean a lot. It's nothing for you because on your mind, you didn't work hard. So you have to really work hard for everything you have. So then you're going to give away value for everything, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think, like, the victory without sacrifice is the best way to, you know, subscribe them. Yeah, and like maybe uh, you could win, uh, but without sacrifice, there's no. You're not really like victorious. You haven't taken it past just the win to to really being something off the mat that you're going to take away from and, and an experience to learn about and 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 really just more than just the the like you said. You could win if it's easy tournament. It's disappointing uh, versus if you train hard and you and you work for it. That's that's a better deal. Yeah, exactly. That was our last week's interview guest, uh, Hobson Mora. No victory without sacrifice. And that that's a very interesting quote because you can win uh, without sacrifice. It's possible, but you don't have that victorious feeling. Yeah, you definitely want to, you know, put the work in there. You want to have the the you know tough matches. You don't just want to roll through everybody and smiling the whole time. It's you know, you, you're down. You're coming back to win. You got some really tough matches. You get done. You're exhausted. It's it's so much more fulfilling. Yeah. You put in a you know ninety days of training to get there, working hard every day, and you know finally at the end when you when you're standing up there on the podium, it's it all came to fruition. It's just a just a you sacrificed and and now you can reap the rewards. Yeah, I I don't know how relative it is, but I I remember being at a tournament where a guy was, uh, I think it was a nogi, and he he wanted to do beginner, and he ended up uh, his coach told him to to do intermediate, and he was a little disappointed, like he wanted to do beginner, and he got I think he got bronze in the in the intermediate, and he was like, man, he was still telling I was talking to him a little bit, and he's still saying he should he could have won beginner. I said. Man, it's, you really can't compare the two. I mean, if you're a beginner and you win, that's awesome. But intermediate but man, bronze is, inter- is great. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're on the lower. He's probably on the lower end there if he's thinking that. And, you know, his, his coach is probably trying to put him up a, up a little bit. So to get a bronze in the intermediate is just awesome. I guess the only reason why this pops in the head is if he were to have won the beginner division and he really should have belonged in the intermediate uh it wouldn't have meant as much to him, maybe, and, it, and he wasn't real happy with the bronze. But May, well, maybe I—I I don't think everybody's like that, though. I, I think I think that's a great way to be. It, but I do think there's a lot of people who would rather just get the win, yeah, um, without any sacrifice, without just the easy one. I—I uh, I do think there are people like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're. I'm sure you're right, but just. Keep in mind if you're doing a tournament like this, or you're—I mean, there's more to it than just the win. I mean, it, it's the entire experience of it, and the uh, the training hard up to it is is a big part of that. So the sacrifice, that what Hobson Moore is talking about. Yeah, I like what you said right there. There's more to it than just the win, and and that is so true. It's a it's a journey. It's just the fun, the the sacrifice of going through all that. It's it's very rewarding. Yeah, or even or more to it than even a loss. Like, imagine Gary if. Uh, let's just say in six months, uh, somebody's going to attack you, and, and 
Like it's like a I predict the future, Gary. You're going to be jumped in the dark alley. Uh, Just let me know the day and time <laughs> so I can but, pack. But but let's say you've never done done much competing or really never done much on that. So before that six months, you're going to do five tournaments and you're going to lose them all. But that that time on the mat will be like. Who cares if you lost those tournaments? You don't want to lose this this altercation that you could die in, or you you know yeah, you get hospitalized. Exactly. That's the big one. Well, so, it's a death match. I mean, basically. I mean, what's your record who, in those? I'm 14 and 19 in death matches. So, so you, not a bad you're, you're, yeah, that's pretty. That's decent. I mean, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> under 500. I've, I've died more than I've won. Hopefully, we'll uh, either get you out of that business or, or get you get you a few more wins. I guess I don't know. Yeah, there we go. But like you said, <laughs> there it's are a no journey. winners. <laughs> it's a journey. The winners. <laughs> uh, all it's right. a long journey. It's a long journey, man. All right, let's go to our article of the week. We've got seven reasons why your child should practice martial arts, and it's on breakingmuscle.com. And I tell you, I saw this uh, article being passed around through Facebook and. You know, just with my son there. My I have a son who's seven years old, and he wrestles, and which, in my opinion, is a martial art. And I just thought it was great. It kind of appealed to me, dealing with kids there. Yeah, Gary, I uh, I agree that wrestling, as far as self defense aspect, it is definitely a martial art. I mean, you pick it up. But why do you not to get immediately get off topic? But explain why <laughs> why you feel wrestling is a martial art, real quick. It's it's really just a combat sport, and I hear a lot of people don't. Re- I, I think of boxing and and wrestling is probably the easiest martial arts to train. Uh, there, you know, you can start wrestling easily. It's it's cheap. Boxing, same thing. But I think a lot of times people don't think of boxing and and wrestling is a martial art you know they think more of uh, jujitsu more of judo more of taekwondo and and maybe it's because uh uniforms because of geese or and belts or something of that sort i'm not sure why but uh i i've i've always thought uh wrestling and boxing is martial arts i've had had uh conversations with people over this many yeah. times I, and i like how you know martial arts is supposed to affect you uh, not just on the mat, you know. Like if it's just a sport, yeah. you go and do it. But if it's martial art, it has that effect. And and, and at, with school, if someone's doing poorly in their grades or they're getting in trouble, uh, that's going to affect your wrestling. Now, you're, you may not be able to wrestle anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. And you know, you you hear about boxing all the time, and and a lot of times you'll see more boxing more prevalent in lower socioeconomic areas, and and you always hear the stories about the the kid from the. Uh, rough to- rough area of town and you know and he ends up having a coach that takes him under his wing makes him get good grades the guy graduates from high school goes on to the junior olympics and it's, i always hear good stories like that i like to yeah. like to hear and see that stuff but That's yeah cool. definitely martial arts does affect you on and off the mat and off the mat's a, a big key the biggest key is just as important as on the mat yeah so on these seven reasons why your uh, kid should be practicing martial arts if you if you can't afford to actually take them to jiu-jitsu or, or whatever uh, school wrestling is, is great if that's available so yeah yeah definitely and uh this is written, this article is written by Eric Stevens. He's got he starts off with a Bruce Lee quote: "Martial arts is ultimately self knowledge. A punch or a kick is not to knock the hell out of the guy in front of you, but is to knock the hell out of your ego, your fear, and your hangups." It's good like for anybody, that. not just kids. 
Yeah, yeah, I really do like that. So, Gary, let's get on with this reason number one. Basically, they and you will get more active. And basically, in our society today, we've got a major obesity problem. Um, a lot of times, you know, back in my day, we, we got home from school and we played outside all day with a stick or, or <laughs> whatever, kickball, dodgeball. And, yeah. And today, um, video games are so prevalent. So you see a lot of the kids come home. Both parents are working. You go out to eat at McDonald's or you bring it home through the drive-thru. You, you spend the whole day on on uh, on the computer where the good thing is if, if you're into martial arts, any type of martial arts, you're getting exercise. And it's definitely going to... Uh, you know, promote fitness and keep you slim, keep you keep you lighter. Yeah, I well said. It's I mean this this goes hand in hand with having Steve Maxwell on today. You know the importance yeah. of being fit and starting yeah. the kids young. I remember reading an article that Steve uh, Maxwell uh, wrote, or maybe it was an interview he did, but he mentioned like the parents running with with kids in strollers, and the kid is able enough to even is big enough to ride a bike, or you know next to him, or something like. Let, let the kid work out too, you know. Don't just push yeah. them along and, and make them. It's not a form of babysitting. Get them out there working out. Get, get that started early. Yeah. See, what I used to do is I would get in the in the stroller and let my kid push me. There you go. That was yeah. How about relaxing. halfway through switch? <laughs> <laughs> the second reason is they learn to find focus and stillness, and this is something that that maybe martial arts do better than uh, just general sports. Um, really taking it into that the focus of what you're doing and, and how important it is and yeah and that's definitely helps you we're talking off the mat too you know that's going to help you on and off the mat um number three they'll learn to take hits and, and we're not just necessarily talking you know a punch to the face or a kick to the ribs you know that's part of it you do learn to take that but um you know we we take all hits uh, the hit can be a disappointment you know like failing a test uh, you know, it's just a setback, and you know the the key is learning how to best take that hit and get back up. You know, the key is get back up, and and what I like is he said this lesson seems to be lost on many in our every kid gets a trophy culture. And, yeah, yeah, and so it's like we're, we're going to have failures, we're going to have disappointments, but the thing is, we get back on our feet, we work harder, and we. we learn from our mistakes yeah he does say on this part as well half of martial arts is hitting the other half is getting hit and, and jiu-jitsu is yeah. the same thing half is getting submitted and half is doing submission so yep. it, you learn, on my you learn side it's uh, 99% is getting submitted <laughs> and uh, 1% is uh, trying to submit somebody the number four reason is a big one is they gain self-confidence and self-respect so uh, it's it, it I guess if you don't understand uh, really what's going on in the mats, if, you, if you're new to this, uh, yeah, the ego gets gets smaller, but you gain self confidence, which is which is different than having a large inflated ego, because a lot of times that is is like a lack of confidence, and you just you want to you want to feel that way. But to actually know that you are, are a strong person is is way better than having that that ego that's inflated artificially. That uh, that I think could be damaging and, and, and suffering those losses. I mean, that is where it is. That does help confidence as well because if you suffer a loss and you come back and you keep training, I think that builds tremendous confidence opposed to just quitting and, and moving on and doing something different. Yeah, that's definitely true there. 
Um, reason number five, you'll connect your mind and body. And, you know, that sounds spiritual or, or whatever, but, you know, it's true. I, I like what he says. How often has we heard the phrase being paralyzed with fear? And what martial arts will do will will help you be able to combat that or combat it. It's, it's easy to just be paralyzed with fear, but getting out there on the mat, doing something in front of other people, and it you you just you face your fear head on and and pretty soon it it starts diminishing reason number six is they learn conflict resolution and i think that's that goes back with the with the confidence thing if you know you're going to be okay in a fight you you feel okay not fighting and you, you that that little bit of nervousness that that the kid is going to have anyway won't be a ton of nervousness, and they'll just just start going crazy. Um, one of the first things that they teach in most a lot of martial arts is that words are not uh, a reason to fight somebody. So if a kid is saying rude things to you and, and, and being mean, that's not a reason to fight that other kid. You know, if it's to where you're getting physically hurt or, or you're going to, that would be the time that you need to defend yourself. Yep, so true there. Um, number seven, I, I thought this was great too, especially with uh, Steve Maxwell, where Again, you know, yeah. we're talking about fitness. Uh, you know, number seven is you learn to breathe, and and somebody's like, hey, we all know how to breathe, but you know, it's just how somebody breathes. You know, nothing is more essential to the success of how we move our body. You know, than tapping into the life force of our breath. Um, you know, learning how to breathe is is so important it relaxes you it keeps you from getting tired you know it keeps that adrenaline down from happening it's it's a very important skill to have yeah and he he closes this out by saying the bottom line is that almost any child can benefit and will benefit from the participation in martial arts so i I, i'd stand by that you know gary you've got kids i don't have any kids so but uh, the kids i see come in and train uh, they benefit a lot, and and you could almost see them change in the course of a couple months, and and gain that confidence, and gain uh, a, yes. a lot. There's a lot to what happens on a kid. They transform sometimes. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing I've seen. You know, with my kid, is the get the self confidence and self respect, and also the the taking hit parts. Not necessarily getting punched, but you know, my kid's getting slaughtered out there on the mat a lot of times. And when you're a kid, you want to win every time, and and it's teaching him, you know, hey. We got to get back up. You can't just uh, fall down. We're going to get back up, and uh, we're going to go out and try again. So uh, I I can see you know how much you know I can look at all all seven of these reasons and uh, you know just see how it's helped my kid. But I also like you know he talked about the bottom line is any child can benefit. But I do like he said the key the key is choosing a teacher or school. Um, do your due diligence. Yeah. You know, find out find a good teacher because you know. Some people are better with kids. Some, you know, everybody's a little different. And uh, um, it's funny, uh, your instructor there, Jake Fox, who were where you where you trained there. My son has done his strength class, his strength uh, uh, summer wrestling conditioning class, and and my son was just telling me the other day how he couldn't wait for the summer again to do that with with Jake and. Uh, and I've seen Jake around kids. He's so great with kids. And uh, for my son to say that, I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. Cool. And and he's got another customer another year because the kid actually they they enjoy it. You know, if you do it right, it's not not a hard yeah. thing to drag him to. Yeah, it's yeah. He he actually told me he couldn't wait for it. and He wanted to know when it starts. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty neat. And that and that does. I mean, if 
I'm just thinking that there are a lot of bad programs for kids martial arts out there. There's, I mean, that's just the reality. You, you, can, you can go to the Y and there could be some uh, a good instructor or there could be a terrible instructor. And if you don't know the difference between uh, the martial arts at the Y, you know, it, it's just unfortunate that there's a lot of watered down martial arts out there. But yeah. some is better than nothing, yeah. I guess, if, if that's all you have yeah. that's available. But yeah. you just do it. Go back to that first point. Yeah, some is better than nothing. You, you will get more active. But I, I don't know. I, I just hate, I hate it when I learn something incorrectly yeah. and have to go back and and uh you know fix that if, if i'm gonna take that long journey if it's gonna be something i'm gonna keep doing i definitely want to get in uh with a quality instructor you know what i'm thinking another way if if you train and even if there's no like kids program where you train at maybe bring in your kid on the open mat day and and then you know you're gonna have to sacrifice some of your mat time to roll with your kid but you know what your kid's gonna remember that your, your kid oh, yeah. is going to be able to say, I do jujitsu. You know, it's, yeah. it, that's a big deal. Even if it's just well, a couple times a month or even just once yeah. a month. My son came with me to open mat this morning. And I bet me and him rolled around for a good, you know, 30 minutes. And those are times I'll never forget. Those are, he'll probably forget them. He probably already has forgotten them now. But um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's neat. It's fun. Yeah. I remember when he was, I mean, kids are more shy when they don't know you, obviously. But. Uh, now he'll he'll run up and 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 tackle me and start cranking on my neck. You know, have the have his guillotine that he does, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing how much he's changed over the times since when you started bringing him in. Yeah, it's you know confidence. It really is. Uh, you get a little bit better. You get more. But wrestling, I think, is really giving him confidence. And, yeah, and then you know he's he's just more confident because you bring him in too. He just around the the surroundings. You yeah. Know, it's normal yeah and that's cool i'm sure he'll remember i mean he may not remember each particular role or anything funny that happened but he'll remember going and in, in, in yeah. training with you that's that's how would he how would he forget that you know yeah and those are the best time you know the best things that could probably ever happen right there so check out the article there's much more on there uh, breakingmuscle.com i'll put a link to it in the show notes uh make it easier to find but it's, it wouldn't be hard to find anyway uh gary Yes. Let's get on with uh, Steve Maxwell, and then we'll come back and talk about a few other things and, and and call it a day. Oh, before we get to the interview. Don't you like how I just throw that out there? Hey, I'm thinking about moving the show to come out on, uh, what did I say, Thursdays is what I'm thinking. So, Perfect. Uh, this one should come out Monday, but I'm, if, if, if it moves, I'll try to give you a more definitive uh, – time for the audience here but it, it may move to a different day which makes my schedule a little bit easier so anyway yeah well here comes thursday's, thursday's just as good a day as monday so yeah i mean gary we'll do the bulk of our recording on the weekend uh and we'll do the interviews anytime we can get somebody you know based yeah. on our schedules but when it comes out you know hey if you want to wait till monday to download it that's fine too <laughs> yep perfect so, we'll see what happens i'm not sure about that but all right here comes uh see the steve maxwell interview part one he is the most interesting grappler in the world. He does the barambolo while passing your guard. He is known for a lightning fast gi choke that he only does in Noki. His triangle choke has four sides. One of his cauliflower ears was eaten by a vegetarian. I don't always listen to podcasts. But when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. 
All right, my friends. I'm happy to bring Steve Maxwell to the BJJ Brick podcast. Steve, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. I had a great night's sleep, had a beautiful training yesterday with one of my young students, and I'm feeling top of the morning, as they say here in Australia. All right. That's that's cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear things are going great for you. Um, a little bit of background about you. you. You're one of the first Americans to get a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You, I think you're the first person to start teaching kettlebells in the United States. You're, you're one of the top, basically, one of the top fitness instructors uh, in the world as far as teaching health and fitness and, and, and a variety of aspects with that. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, I, I always uh, was attracted to sports. But I wasn't particularly athletic as a child, you know. I used to get my ass kicked a lot by the neighborhood boys. <laughs> and uh, my dad saw that, and uh, he, he, he was an ex-Navy boxer. He actually won the Pacific Fleet Championship during World War II uh, as a, uh, a little bantamweight. And uh, so he was trying to teach me and my brother how to box. And uh, I would get so mad every time I got punched by my brother. I, I would get furious. I'd throw the gloves off and grab him and tackle him and throw him down. My dad said, "You're no boxer. <laughs> we're we're going to make you go out for wrestling, man." So he literally took me kicking and screaming, basically dr- drug me to the wrestling practice in seventh grade, and uh, I, I was under great protest. But I did it, and all of a sudden I realized that I, I'm actually kind of good at this, you know. It, I, I mean, I sucked at baseball. I wasn't particularly good at football. I was too little, as a small kid, and. Uh, you know, track and field, I never was fast enough or had the endurance to do endurance events. But damn if uh, wrestling wasn't my cup of tea. And it was a lifelong love affair with uh, with grappling. And that's how I got started. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, a lot of guys, you know, when they start strength training and weight training, uh, they're interested in maybe bodybuilding or maybe powerlifting or, you know, the, the weights become an end into itself. Yeah. For me, for me, right from the beginning, I just wanted to do everything I could to make myself a better grappler. And so all my weight training was based on performance as opposed to making lifting weights as an end unto itself. I mean, there was a phase where when I was like 16, 17, I got bit by the bodybuilding bug and wanted to get yoked, man, and <laughs> put, on, <laughs> put on some size. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think I was very fortunate. Uh, I always seemed to find the right teachers, the right mentors, the right gurus uh, at the right time, the right information, and was very lucky to be on the cutting edge of many, many fitness uh, movements in the country. And, of course, what, what's the guy do with wrestling after they get out of university? I wrestled NCAA Division I. Uh, I had a very good record. My, my senior year was 18-2-1. Uh, uh, took MACs, which uh, doesn't exist anymore, but that was the Middle Atlantic Conference uh, Championship. And um, so I never reached the elite level, but I was a high level, really high. And I just was always looking for that thing to fill the void uh, from my college wrestling days. It was just such a great thing. You know? yeah. uh, I majored in health and physical education. I did coach wrestling for a couple years in a local high school outside of um, Philadelphia, but uh, I quickly found that I preferred working with adults as opposed to kids in the fitness. The, the fitness industry was basically in its infancy back then. Started working part time in a gym 
uh, as a freshman, actually, in college. Uh, the first Nautilus gym and the Eastern Seaboard at that time, actually. That was when Arthur Jones and his ideas of high-intensity training were making their way into the, in, in, into the, the fitness mainstream. And uh, very exciting times. But, uh, you know, uh, once I got married and had a family and became a householder, uh, you know, wrestling wasn't so easy because most of the training in wrestling usually occurs at universities or high schools mid-afternoon. So if you're a working man with, you know, you just can't take off mid-afternoon to make 3 o'clock, 3.30 <laughs> yeah. training. So that kind of put a damper on my wrestling training. I, I would go now and again with some friends and meet people here and there, but I started to get more and more sporadic over the time. And I tried different striking martial arts. And much like my beginnings, you know, as a young boxer, I found I didn't really like it. Muay Thai didn't appeal. It just seemed harmful somehow to slam your limbs into a heavy bag you know it just seemed like ow you know yeah I'm with <laughs> and, you. And, and you know i saw older strikers you know they were pretty busted up a lot of them so uh that was uh that was like a tip off to me that maybe it wasn't for me but i did try i actually took uh kempo karate from a very very good instructor uh, in philadelphia you know and uh, I tried Japanese karate. I did Kung Fu. I did Muay Thai for a while. But it just wasn't the – it just didn't give me that satisfaction and excitement of, you know, getting on the mat and, and rolling as I did as a young wrestler. Yeah. So lo and behold, one of my buddies who was really into Muay Thai, he tells me about these Gracie brothers in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'm saying, but, but, but jiu-jitsu is Japanese, right? <laughs> no, no, this is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But yeah, but – I thought jiu-jitsu was Japanese, and it was like I just couldn't wrap my mind around this idea of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was always thinking of that crazy capoeira and the dance and all that stuff. So I go to the first seminar and, uh, uh, on the East Coast that the Gracies did, and I was blown away. I mean, it was like, wow, this is what I've been looking for, man. I couldn't believe how easily they were able to control me with jiu-jitsu even being a wrestler yeah it, it was because uh, I, I was uh, i was one of those real eager guys as soon as i saw basically what it was you know I, of course i volunteered for every time they wanted <laughs> <laughs> i was jumping in there you know how old were you at this enth- point very enthusiastic i was 38 years old okay i was 38 years old when i when i started but i was you know strong young 38 i've been in the like you say fitness industry i had been lifting running and you know doing personal training so you know I had kept my body in pretty decent shape so uh, I, I was more you know probably more in line with guys in their 20s and 30s yeah. at that time so I, I was lucky that way and I because I had kept pretty fit so uh, yeah I was born I said to Horian after the seminar I said hey you know how, how can I uh, you know what, what do I have to do I, I, I not only do I want to to learn this I, I want to teach this he says well you got to come out to Torrance. At that time, that was pretty. That was pretty much true. It was almost the only game in town, and so I started making trips out there. Uh, at that time, then 1990, uh, the, my place of business, the Society Ho Club, closed down, and I um, opened up my own gym. And very shortly after, I put mats in there, 
and started a the very first Gracie Training Association in the United States outside of Torrance. It was uh, I couldn't call it an academy or anything because I wasn't qualified. And I got a blue belt pretty quick. I got my blue belt about six months. And got my purple belt in about a year just because of my wrestling background. But there I stayed. <laughs> you know, it's like re- it's like reaching the your level of incompetence. And I had that wrestler jits going for me, but you know that doesn't work against the brown belts. You know the, the better guys. <laughs> that works pretty good against other white and blue belts. But man, I, I you know it, it took me about four years to make the transition from purple to brown, and then another two years after that, I got my black from uh, Helsing Gracie in uh, Honolulu. I was his first black belt, uh, American black belt. I'm sorry, he, he had produced many black belts. I'm sure in Brazil, but. As far as I know, I was his first one. And one of the early black belts in the United States, um, you know, people talk about, you know, the the original guys that they got it. But uh, a lot of those belts came from uh, the Machados. The Gracies were a lot stingier with their belts, man, believe me. Very stingy. And Horian had started uh, a couple years after I... I guess this was probably about 1990, 91, I think. He started the Gracie Instructor Training Program. There was such a huge uh, uh, interest in jiu-jitsu, they decided that uh, they needed to teach people how to teach. And as you know, in the early days, there was a lot of fake guys, you know, people flying up from Brazil with purple belts that mysteriously changed into black belts and the trip yeah, <laughs> they get off the plane like a master black belt, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> you, you never knew who you were getting. Yeah, the quality of teaching was pretty horrible, and then there was guys who were actually pretty damn good jujitsu guys. They were really tough and 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 good, but they their teaching sucked. They didn't know how to teach. They had no clue. Well, Horia, uh, being an amazing business guy as he was. It certainly wasn't like one of the best fighters or anything, but man, when it came to teaching, that guy was amazing. Well, him and his father, Elio Gracie, came up with this concept of how to teach jiu-jitsu and how to break it down and, you know, the order that the student should get the moves in. And he, they created this instructor training program to teach people like myself how to teach. And it was one of the best educations I ever got. I mean, I had a degree in health and physical education and, and and so forth, had a bit of a science background, and they were right in line with all the motor learning principles and all the physical education principles that I had been taught at university. Wow. So, yeah, and, and you know, they, they were, oh, I mean, Horian was an educated man. He had a law degree, actually, but as far as I know, Elliot Gracie uh, had no uh, formal education other than just, you know, regular schooling. But he sure knew how to teach, and he sure knew people, and he sure knew how to break things down. And it was an amazing process. And like I said, I was very honored to be the first person to be certified by the Gracie family to teach their brand of jiu-jitsu. And just so your listeners understand, you know, it's all Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And there's certainly amazing practitioners whose last name isn't Gracie, you know. Yeah. At one time, I, you know, I, I, I kind of kind of had this idea that you weren't a Gracie, you didn't know jiu-jitsu. I quickly found out <laughs> that's, that's not true. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are amazing practitioners that never even trained with anyone named Gracie. But the thing that really uh, distinguished the Gracie family from other jiu-jitsu people was the way they taught. 
I'm talking about the Elliot Gracie side now. I'm not real familiar with uh, Carlos Gracie's side of the family. I know Henzo is an amazing teacher and a hell of a hell of a good guy. But for the most part, uh, I was blown away with the teaching techniques. And the whole idea was to make it user-friendly for normal people. They were trying to teach jiu-jitsu. That was Ellery Gracie's mission, to break it down for normal men, normal women, non-athletic people, businessmen, uh, mothers, children, you know, so that they could keep themselves safe and so that they could defend themselves in realistic situations. And it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, uh, got my knee in your belly, two points. <laughs> or, hey, I passed the guard, three points. Yeah. It had to do with the real combat aspect of jiu-jitsu. And a lot of people don't get that. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the original combat aspects of jiu-jitsu have been completely lost, especially with the popularity of the uh, sport side of jiu-jitsu. And a lot of the stand-up, a lot of people don't even know that there's plenty of strikes in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's strikes, there's there's uh, takedowns, there's throws, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, stand-up self-defense. There's weapons, uh, defense against knife, stick, gun, uh, baseball bat. Uh, there's even a barroom uh, stool defense, you know, someone's trying to hit you over the head with a chair or a yeah. stool. <laughs> so... It's uh, a lot of people don't know. They really, truly don't. So, you know, it was pretty surprising to me. There was even some really top level uh, black belts that that, that that don't know. I mean, there was a point, and uh, I, I don't think he bought me saying this, but um, you know, I, I was I did a lot of strength and conditioning work with uh, uh, a lot of the top Brazilian guys. Uh, I was Solo's strength and conditioning yeah. coach the year he won uh, Abu Dhabi in Sao Paulo. But uh, there was a point at the university where he said, hey, would you teach me self-defense? And I said, what? I says, you're a Hoyler Gracie black belt. And he's, you know, surely he taught you all the stand-up self-defense. He said, yeah, when I was like a little kid, but I got so involved with the sport, I pretty much forgot everything. I says, truly? I says, wow. And I was blown away because, I mean, I, I revered this guy. He was kind of like one of my idols, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I just felt so honored that he would want me to teach him self-defense. And uh, he said, yeah, uh, he just he'd forgotten because he hadn't done it for years and years. He'd done it as a, as a as kid at Horler School in Umaita, but, you know, it's one of those That's things that you do have to practice regularly like yeah. everything else. It, you know, it's a little easier to maintain your self-defense uh, than your sportive skills, but you still have to practice. And, yeah. Uh, it's one of the last things to go. You know, your ability to do jiu-jitsu as you get older will diminish no matter what you do. You know, there's, there's, you know, my, my dad used to say, no one gets out of here alive, Steve. So, <laughs> we, we all fade, our physical powers fade, our muscles shrink, and we die. It's just, you know, part of this world, this yeah. earthly world. Nothing lasts forever. However... You can maintain your self-defense skills well into advanced age. I, I can remember uh, I stayed with Elliot Gracie for uh, a month one time down at his farm in Brazil. And uh, he would give me lessons and in his little dojo he had there beside his house. And I was just amazed at how this man in his uh, – that time he was in his late 80s. 
almost 88 or 89, I think. You really couldn't do anything to this guy without getting badly hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, how can this little skinny old man? Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's the power of shit. Yeah. It was really, really uh, amazing to me. So, yeah. That uh, that was that was pretty much my background. I, I I had a love affair right from the beginning with jujitsu, and I was lucky enough that I had set set up my lifestyle so that I could actually put mats in uh, a personal training gym I had in Center City, Philadelphia, and that was basically um, that that was before Henzo Gracie ran those guys. I, I was the very first one in the Eastern Seaboard of the United States with uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. but it it became. It, it was all part of an extension of my original uh, wrestling. It was just this love affair with grappling and just the, how good it made me feel. And I was very much identified with that particular activity in yeah. the martial arts. You, you think you, you talked about how blown away you were by their teaching techniques and having seen, having done wrestling for so long and learned how to wrestle with those teaching techniques. And it is more for the athletic uh, geared. Market, you know, for the for the people who are athletic, you know, you're going to wrestle in in high school, junior high, college, um, not in that order, but uh, <laughs> but but then to be taught something from the non-athletic perspective and to see how they do that was that part of why you were so impressed by it? Well, yeah, uh, just their ability to break down the skill and the way they would link the skills together, and the way that one skill would sag into another skill, and then. Their, 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 their method was to, let's say we have four moves, and you teach move A, and then you practice. And it was also found that, you know, uh, sets of three, six, nine, something about threes really impressed the nervous system. Yeah. And you would do, you know, uh, six to nine repetitions practice. Then they would introduce movement B. And then you'd do that in practice. But then they would go back and do movement A again. And then you do movement B, and then they'd add C. And then you practice C for a while. Then you go back to movement A, then you repeat B, then you repeat C. And then maybe if there's enough time, they might even get a fourth, you know, and they usually only give you three or four techniques per workout. Usually one standing or two stand, you know, with a, with a variation, and one ground technique with a variation. And uh, that's a, you know, that, that if, you, if you ever check out any motor learning literature you know the way you uh practice skills skill rehearsal yeah that is right in line with everything that had ever been taught as a physical education teacher wow that is cool that's it sounds like they're real like movement a is really like your fundamental movement which which you need to do correctly and then movement b is a little bit more particular like a little next uh a little bit off of that fundamental branch, and then go back yeah, and practice exactly. that one and, and like, do that know, one again. I'll do this, and well, maybe, maybe he'll do this. Okay, well, here's what you do in this situation. So it's, you know, what I'm saying, and, yeah. And it, I just, I just love the way they would. Uh, Horian, in particular, was like uh, a real master, and it's really, um, you know, I haven't been with his son. I, when I knew his sons, Henry and Yeron, they were just little kids, pretty much. You know, they used to run around, and you know, they they turned into some. <laughs> real specimens, man. <laughs> Those little kids, and uh, they—it uh, seems like they're really carrying on the tr- tradition of just being really top-level teachers. And and once again, you know, not everybody wants to get into the modern-day style uh, federation-type yeah. competitions. Uh, listen, man, uh, I did it. 
I loved it. It was really fun. But I realized that there's more to jujitsu than that, that that type of uh, competition training, you know. And there comes a point where you just don't care about it that much anymore. It actually comes a point where you show up and there's no one else your age group, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell you how many tournaments I showed up to, and I was the only guy that signed up. It was like I had to go down like two, sometimes three age group divisions just to fight a fight, man. And so that's disappointing. It's like uh, it's like my dad. He he was always into road racing. You know, he liked to run. Yeah, he just found he was kind of he had that kind of endurance, and uh, you know he used to win a lot, man. He used to. He, he, I remember one year when I think he was like eighty. He won the Walt Disney Marathon, either eighty-one or eighty-two. I forget. But I, I uh, he said, "Yeah, I won because all my competitors were dead." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really so that's you really you win two different ways. You're, you're still up running around and, and and you win the race as well. I mean, that's two wins, right, for being healthy. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, jujitsu is kind of the same thing. Yeah. But uh, for your listeners out there. I maintain that most of your listeners will not be doing jiu-jitsu once they're past 45. I would say the vast majority. I do seminars all over the world, and you know, I often ask people their age. and say, how many guys over 35? You know, a bunch of guys will raise their hand. Over 40, eh, usually two or three, four sometimes. Over 45, virtually nobody. Over 50, uh, rarely. I saw one guy... Uh, 60 years old, 60 years old since I've uh, been doing seminars. And the reason why is because most people train in such a way that it's harmful to their bodies and they beat themselves up to the point where they just simply cannot continue. And a lot of times it's because they're, 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 they're injured. They're, they'll come up with other excuses. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, well, I'm too busy now, or, you know, work's really catching up to me, or, well, I got family responsible. But it's almost always because they're hurt in some way or they're feeling pain. And it's 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 because they, A, train too much, too often, you know, too high volume, too too frequently. And when they do train, they don't train smart. They train stupid. They, they train either too hard, too intense, uh, or too competitively as they begin to get older. They're just still too competitive. And you just got to put that aside and just do the movement for the movement's sake and do the jiu-jitsu for the pure joy of it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like in weight training, right? You have intrinsic, extrinsic goals. Uh, extrinsic would be external things like how much weight, how many reps and so yeah. forth. And, you know, I want to deadlift, you know, triple body weight. I want to bench yeah. press double body weight. I want to be able to do 20 pull-ups or – I want to do, you know, a, a single pull-up with 100 pounds strapped to my waist. That's all well and good when you're young. But it comes a point where you're not going to be able to do that type of training anymore. No way, man. And if all of your motivation was based on those external goals, when you get to the point where that's no longer possible, it's very disappointing and demotivating. And a lot of guys just simply quit at that point. And the, in, in reality, if you have intrinsic goals – where you're trying to be as healthy and strong as possible. You want to work joint integrity so that you have full range movement in your joints. You want to maintain a fairly decent level of hypertrophy so you don't get that age-related muscle loss called sarcopenia. You know, These are more intrinsic goals. These are internal goals 
You know, maybe I want to work on the perfect rep today. When I do a push-up, it's going to be the most perfect, slow, high-tension push-up. I don't care how many I get. I'm just going to go until my muscles are tired. That's an intrinsic goal. Well, jiu-jitsu, you could be the same thing. Yeah. Guys that are just training because they want to beat everybody uh, in the tournament, in the local tournament, they want to win worlds, they want to win this, they want to win that. Sometimes, you know, it gets to the point where that's just no longer possible. You know, and maybe you were started out training with a bunch of guys that you could pretty much dominate, but now they're passing you by, and now they're all catching you. And for some guys, that's so demotivating and so disappointing that they just end up quitting because the guys that they started with are now better than them, and that's because all of their goals were external: who can beat who, who can submit who. Who can win this medal or this trophy? That's the wrong reason to do it, I say. I mean, I'm not saying that it's okay. It's not not a bad thing to do those things. But you need other types of motivations besides those things. I like to do it just for the pure movement. I I want to be able to fold. When someone's trying to pass my guard, I want to be mobile enough to fold my leg and, and, and defend myself. You know, and and, and pass my leg over. Or I I want to be flexible enough that if I have a triangle and a guy stacking me, I'm not going to hurt myself when I get, you know, stacked up on my neck. I want to maintain flexibility. See, these are like internal goals. You know, I want to maintain the fluidity to be able to do my self-defense so that when I'm in my 90s, like Elliot Gracie, I'll still be able to defend myself and feel very confident walking the streets or... You know, if some belligerent person comes up to me, I, I don't have to feel uh, overly afraid. I know yeah. that I can. So, intrinsic. Yeah. So the 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 huge drop off in numbers with, at the age of uh, forty five is we're saying is caused by the mentality of the of the student or, or the person training. Uh, it, it may be physical, but even that roots down to the way that they train and the, the, they come in there with in their head that causes them to get hurt or they're not having fun anymore because they're just not able to, to enjoy the same aspects that they once did. So they need to, to kind of look at their goals and what they're getting out of it. What, what do you get, at, get out of jiu-jitsu today? Well, you know, like in the beginning, you know, it's all about offense. Uh, you know, yeah. submitting guys. Towards the end, it's all about defense, not getting submitted. Like, towards the end, Elliot Gracie couldn't do anything they wanted. I mean, he was an old man, you know, and he got a little bit stiff and stuff, as you'd expect a guy in his 90s, damn near 100 years old, right? Of course he's going to be stiff, you know. But, you know, he loved to lay down and just, like, mount him and crawl all over him. He would just basically defy you to try to trick him and catch him. He loved that mental game. Yeah. And that was really impressive to me. Yeah? And uh, it was really funny because uh, I remember one time uh, I was playing that game a little bit and I was admonished by the guy I was training. It was another black belt. And uh, he said, come on, you, you know, you're being too passive, you know, be a little bit more aggressive. And I said, oh, I was playing L.A. Gracie uh, Jiu-Jitsu. And he says, well, that's okay if you want to play an old man's game. But then I realized, well, I am kind of an old man. <laughs> You're like 23 and I'm like 53, so I guess I am playing an old man's game. So at some point, my my point is that everyone's going to have to play that old yeah. man's game at some, some stage. And, you, you know, 
and for me, it's, it's fun. You know, just having good. You're not going to be able to keep these young kids from passing their guard. You're not. You know. Uh, you're not. You're not going to. Let's. Uh, I think Henner, or maybe it was Hebron, one of the guys in the, one of the crazy podcasts. They really said this perfectly. They were talking about an older black dog at their academy that teaches for them that got really hard time from some really athletic, strong blue belt. And the guy was like feeling like fuck. I'm not. I'm not even a black belt, right? I'm, maybe I should just take it off. He was feeling really disillusioned with himself. And they were explaining to the guy that look, man, for every decade, that's like a guy has a belt rank. Yeah. Right? Uh, if you're a 50 year old guy fighting a 20 year old guy, it's like let's say a black belt that's 50 years old is sparring or training with a really strong, athletic young 20 uh, something. That's, that kid's basically like a black belt for each decade. And they they said every 10 pounds is almost like a belt rank, too. Weight <laughs> and size make a lot of difference. Yeah. So if you got a guy that's a young, heavy guy, and he's fairly athletic, and he's a strong guy, and you have an older, smaller black belt, for sure he's going to give the guy a hard time. Because I mean, in in what in what world doesn't size and strength matter? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Certainly in the in the natural world, size and strength matter. Sure, technique can uh, certainly counter uh, an awful lot of size and strength, but only to a certain point. So you know, older guys got to realize they're going to be playing a lot of defense with these young guys. You know, but uh, I'm I'm very careful now uh, at. Uh, 62 to pick my partners very carefully. I want to go with uh, guys that are pretty technical. Yeah, and I like to go, I like to go with uh, yeah smaller guys. Girls are great for training. Women are trained really tricky, man. Really tricky. They think with a different part of the brain and their 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 attacks and some of their their uh, some of their ideas are, are can really surprise you sometimes. You know, their, their strategies are a little bit different than a guy. And it's fun. It's really, really fun. And they, they don't quite have the ego that a lot of guys do. And rarely will uh, 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 a woman use a lot of power, a lot of strength. You know, occasionally you get some pretty strong girls, but for the most part, most most women they really use trickery and they use their bodies extremely well. So that's a good option for for men wanting to stay with jujitsu and, and train. You just wrestle with the girls, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm trying to – I'm 35 and I'm trying to, to think when I train and when I decide to try to pick up a new technique, I want it to fit with me uh, for many years down the road. I, want, I don't want to be doing a technique that I physically won't be able to do or might injure myself in the coming years. Uh, so I, I'm just kind of curious about like what your game is like, like the techniques, the positions that you prefer to use um, and, and, and what you're able to – what you focus on. Well, I mean, it, it gradually changes. You start getting better and better at being on the bottom. You know, you yeah. end up playing a lot of half guard, uh, a lot of more open guard. You know, you get to the point where closed guard is okay, but, you know, you got to be pretty strong. Pretty, you know, yeah, you have to have a guy that's not very big, you know, to make your closed guard work uh, really, really well. And uh, you do a lot less uh, takedowns and throws. You know, you really start to keep that to a minimum. I still like to do, like, what I call soft takedowns where you just kind of uh, doing grip fighting and just see if you can unbalance each other a little bit but you don't actually carry through on the, the full throw yeah and uh, I was often wondering whether that actually 
still keeps you sharp if you if you did want to do a full throw. And uh, the other day I had uh, a, a kid who was about my size, maybe a little smaller, and uh, it was like a white belt, and uh, I could just throw him at will. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, because you know, technically, yeah. so I mean, from a self defense point of view, right? Yeah, you, untrained opponent, like someone. Yeah, he he couldn't stop a lot of the uh, foot sweeps and, and um, you know basic stuff that I had been drilling. So it, it proved to myself that yeah, you can keep pretty sharp against, uh, especially against someone that you know doesn't have the real technical skills. Yeah, it's kind of like that but, training uh, with like a slower speed, but you're doing that standing up. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of what I call a soft thing. You're, you're not actually throwing each other, but you're playing like inside control and you're playing the grip game. And you know you're you're doing like uh, leg fencing with each other, you know, kind of fencing with the the foot sweeps and the trips, and the whole game is just to see if you can make the guy stumble or, or kind of have to hop a few times, which means you uh, imba- uh, unbalance the guy. Yeah. It's a pretty nice little workout too, man. You know, grip and arms, and uh, you know you can get the old heart rate up there a little bit, but uh, it's also a good way to control the breath. Cool. But a lot a lot a lot of the guys uh, also. This is something that's rarely addressed, although it's really gratifying to see Max, Master Hickson, now that he's out of retirement, doing the seminar circuit again. Uh, breath control. That's something that was never addressed in most places. A lot of guys have no clue in how to breathe. They do not breathe properly at all. They use what, they use a very dysfunctional breathing pattern called Valsava uh, uh, Sink, where they will periodically hold their breath it's like a grunting sound that they almost make, and then followed usually by panting. Uh, a lot of guys mouth breathe, and they're using the upper chest as opposed to the diaphragmatic breathing. And uh, all this can actually shave years off the end of your life, as well as create a lot of negative stress hormones. And it's totally unnecessary. You can learn to use diaphragmatic nasal breathing through the nose, uh, even in dire circumstances. Uh, it's 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 something that should be addressed and, and worked on by everyone to make sure that they are using proper breath technique. And it also calms you down. When you start to breathe in the upper lobes of the lungs, you're 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 already in panic mode because the uh, the panic receptors, the the emergency muscles of your neck and your upper rib cage and shoulders, that's only for dire emergencies, you know, fight or flight. Yeah. Like life saving. Now, some people will say, yeah, well, isn't jiu-jitsu fight or flight? Well, it shouldn't be, not if you're playing the game. You know, yeah. you should remain calm. You want to remain as calm as possible. You don't want to become over-adrenalized. So if you're using that upper chest, you immediately, you know, uh, you become over-adrenalized. And you, you lose your ability to think and to remain calm. And, you know, a lot of times there's panic, and then you resort to muscling and because you lose your fine motor skills. So one way that you could... Uh, train yourself out of that is to train with a mouthful of water. Okay. You first of all, it's really nice because there's no talking. <laughs> you, know, you know how many guys go to jujitsu and it's just yak 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 and no one's actually training. Yeah. I, I you know, Solo used to tell everyone to shut up. You can't talk. And hey, uh, another another guy I really uh, got some fantastic uh, uh, jujitsu from is a guy by the name of Hedges Labre who runs uh, Gracie San Diego. Fantastic coach, trainer, teacher. Uh, he was my son's coach uh, when he won Worlds. Uh, at any rate, they weren't allowed talking. But if you put a mouthful of water 
ain't nobody talking. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be amazed <laughs> at how calm the jiu-jitsu is. It slows be, everybody it, down. It, yeah, and, and it's amazing how smooth your jiu-jitsu gets because you're you're kind of you're forced to nasal breathe, which makes you more prone to breathing into the diaphragm the way you should okay. into those lower lobes of the lungs. And you'll find yourself being calmer, more relaxed. It's a really good thing. You don't have to do it all the time, yeah. obviously. But it's a really good thing to do, you know, every now and again, just to kind of test yourself. And the jiu-jitsu becomes really technical because people just stay calmer. And the, you know that, like, if you start going too crazy, using too much power, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to maintain the mouthful of water and you're going to have to swallow it and start to gulp and gasp. And that's usually uh, an indicator wow. that you're probably using a little bit too much strength, a little bit too much power. That is, that is a, a very uh, – I'm going to have to try that. I'm, 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 now I'm a little nervous that I'm actually going to drown while I'm training jiu-jitsu instead of just get choked all the time. I know. At some point, if, if your physiology gets taxed too much, yeah. just involunt- involuntary swallow. So, you know, the is water. there is there any? You you kind of hinted at that people breathe incorrectly all the time, not just while training, but uh, in general, it, it's a common thing for people not to breathe correctly. Is there something off the mat that we could we could work on as well? Well, just be aware of your breathing, first of all. Just, 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 first of all, identify what kind of breather you are. Are you breathing into your lower diaphragm? Are you breathing into your ribs? Like uh, It's called intercostal breathing. Or are you uh, using clavicular breathing, breathing in your upper chest with your neck and shoulders? And are you a mouth breather or are you inhaling through your nose? Uh, you know, when you just do normal uh, walking or maybe running or any kind of weight training, you know, how, how, how are you breathing? Do you hold your breath and do a, a, what they call a partial glottal closure and kind of make grunts or noises or screams? Uh, you do get maybe a little boost sometimes from, from uh, the Valsalva sink, but at the expense of your health. It really spikes blood pressure, and older people should definitely avoid it, you know? Uh, and once you are aware of the type of breathing, then it's a good idea to uh, start to work on it, especially just doing matter type activities. Every baby's born pretty much doing nasal diaphragmatic breathing, but right about school age, when we're forced to sit in chairs, like in kindergarten or whatever, uh, kids start to lose the diaphragmatic breathing and they start to go to the uh, upper chest. Uh, I, I I don't have any proof of this, but I I think it's because of the chair sitting, the excessive chair sitting. Chairs, uh, pre- they're awfully comfortable sitting. <laughs> <laughs> but the, pro- the problem is they shorten the hip flexors, shorten the hamstrings. There's a tendency to round the shoulders and chest forward, which makes breathing a little bit more difficult. Uh, it's harder to do diaphragmatic breathing sometimes from a chair seated bent forward posture. And you see, you know, you see people with what they call forward head and round shoulders. Uh, most of the, a lot of the guys that do jujitsu, they they have desk jobs. It's one of the reasons they love jujitsu so much. It gives them a chance to roll around with their with the brothers and sisters, like like you did when you're a little kid, you know, with your pajamas in the yeah. living room floor. Well, if you think of jujitsu, it's kind of like wearing pajamas and you're rolling around on the floor, right? Like you did when you're a little kid. So <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, that the, unfortunately, though, because of the breath, breath and the posture that they have all day, jujitsu also creates a round shoulder, forward head, uh, tight hip flexure type deal, also. And that results in pain. You start to get lower back problems. A lot of jiu-jitsu guys suffer from that. 
from overuse and overdevelopment of the, the hip flexors. Um, a lot of jiu-jitsu guys will have pretty flexible hips, but it's shocking um, how many of these guys have really tight hamstrings. Yeah, I see yeah, a lot I of do. guys that can, you, they're, 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 their spines are flexi-bending and their hips aren't bad, but man, their hamstrings are really tight. And that's, you know, that's the result of uh, sitting all day. Okay. So it's really important to try to counter uh, the imbalances created from both your desk job during the day and jujitsu in at night. And it's, 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 it's interesting. I've correlated the chair sitting and jujitsu produce almost the same bad postural habits. The basically uh, from playing the guard a lot. So sometimes in your strength training and your weight training, conditioning programs, it's not so much about working the muscles that you use, but working the muscles that you don't use so that you can keep a good uh, homeostasis, good balance in the, in, in the body, in the joints. So I have a lot of uh, upper neck and upper uh, back exercises that uh, I, I show people in my clinics and my, my workshops to help help them balance. There's uh, there's just ways that you can activate those, those mid-thoracic uh, muscles so that you can instantly just improve your posture and stand up straight. Uh, so there's a lot there's a lot of really cool exercises that I've developed over the years, uh, just out of frustration for myself, really, that I, I do a lot, a lot of my workshops. And it's and unfortunate those- this there's a podcast, it'd be hard to show <laughs> but you. On, on your website, but, yeah, are they available there? Yeah, well, the, yeah these things do exist, though. And, uh, it's one of the things I'm going to do at my Jiu-Jitsu lifestyle training camp. I'm going to do my first one this November, Jiu-Jitsu for a Lifetime in, uh, in El Salvador. I'm going to uh, uh, have people working on these exercises. I'll, I'll show them the, the mobility and... Uh, Body balancing exercises that they complement your jujitsu appropriately. That's you just mentioned that uh, you're doing a lifestyle training camp in El Salvador in November. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to be on my website maxwellsc.com. <laughs> and that's going to be—is it over several days? And and, and what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah, with that? it's going to be like a, a two-week camp. Okay, and is, is, and, is yeah, and, and all all the de- yeah. Uh, my young assistant here tells me that it's going up today. It's going to be put up on my website today. Okay, so, so by the time this is out, it'll already be up. SC, yeah, MaxwellSC.com. That stands for Strength and Conditioning. And then if they go, they can find that lifestyle uh, training camp. It will be the first one I've done, but I think it's time. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot. Jiu-Jitsu becoming so popular worldwide. And there's a lot of guys, uh, middle aged and older, that are really attracted to the sport, and uh, you know that really want to, uh, you know, engage and want to stay with it. You know, it's really interesting. But uh, I just wrote an article just recently on, on, you know, training for the older guy and how it differs from the younger. Yeah, guy. I lo- that was a great was, article. Oh, uh, thanks, man. That was uh, that was actually the unedited version, man. I, I wanted to fix that up a little bit. Uh, I knew I've known Tony since he was just a, like a 15 year old kid. Tony Pazinski that runs that. And he got excited and put it up there before I had a chance <laughs> to actually rework that. But uh, it was well received. But I did notice in some of the comments that some of the guys were saying, "Yeah, I just noticed the exact opposite, man. 
I've been getting stronger and faster. And you look down and you see that the guy, you know, started when he was in his 40s or his 50s. And it's like that's absolutely true. If you're if you're a businessman and if you've never done much and you start doing jiu-jitsu, you will find that uh, your physical attributes will increase a lot. Yeah. It can be a, gr- a great movement. However, if you started when you were like 10 years old like I did, man, uh, <laughs> you reach your peak a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you know. It, it, it gets to a point where it just goes all downhill after that. But but so, you know, well, you, like you, you reach that 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 peak usually. Uh, I find people that train regularly can maintain a pretty high peak uh, well into their uh, mid forties. Uh, you don't even reach your full level of strength until you're in your your mid forties. You reach your your maximum muscular strength. I, I think I felt the best I had ever felt when I was between uh, forty and forty five. I mean, I actually felt as good as I did when I was a college wrestler. I felt that strong, that that good. But uh, you know, then then once you reach the half century mark, you you definitely notice a big bump and a a, a, a drop off. Just want to say thank you one more time for. Uh, such an amazing interview from Steve Maxwell uh, yet again next week we'll be playing the second half we'll pick up right where we left off um, Gary you know his breathing technique I, I haven't done it yet but I've done something similar since the interview you know, uh, get some water and keep the water in your mouth that way you don't breathe through your mouth because it forces you to breathe through your nose otherwise you end up having to swallow the water or you end up dribbling the water out and you don't want to do that just holding a little bit of water in your mouth uh, forces you to calm your breathing down and breathe through your nose. I what I did was just close my mouth and not open it, and, yeah. and that worked. And I was calm. I mean, it, it, I think it does help. And I'm I'm looking forward to doing the water trick and see if I could do it because I don't. It, that seems fun. That seems exciting. It seems different. But yeah, I, I definitely going to try that. I can't, I can't wait to uh, try it. And it it does. I notice when I focus on breathing through my nose, I am a lot more calmer. Yeah, I I don't know. Why? I think it just makes you take that deeper breath into your lungs. Yeah, and I've read so many times about you know breathing with a diaphragm. It you know gets more air or oxygen or whatever it is into your your body. Yeah. But so maybe that's it. But I do find myself whenever I find myself stressed out, I make sure I take deeper breath through my nose, and because I breathe through my mouth a lot. I've I've always had a little bit of trouble breathing through my nose, but when I focus breathing through my nose, I. I'm so much more calm. Gary, do you typically have a mouthpiece in when you train? I used to wear a mouthpiece. I stopped wearing a mouthpiece. You can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, no. it, but that, I, I, th- I really don't understand if I do breathe more with my nose or my mouth while yeah. I'm rolling. I, th- I think I'll start trying I, to I always that out. have a mouthpiece in. And yeah. the, the right time I don't, I seem to get hit in the mouth every time. But I don't. It, it, it kind of helps me not breathe through my mouth because it's yeah, it, it's it's a factor. The mouthpiece is hard because I wear one of those nineteen uh, eighties retainers, the really big ones. <laughs> so the mouthpiece has trouble fitting in there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to say that to everybody, but since you're going to throw it out there, I'll, I'll back you <laughs> up on that nineteen eighties retainer. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about his uh, his breathing stuff. And something I, I've learned uh, taking some EMT courses, uh, I guess uh, medical courses after my EMT or whatever, but like there's your lungs and then you've got uh, 
the air in between your lungs and your mouth that doesn't get to your lungs. So if you're if you're like breathing real fast, like panting, you're moving that air a lot, but you're not actually getting the air into where it counts oh, okay. uh, to exchange oxygen. So, um, like a, I think like a like a shallow breath is probably like you could probably figure out like it's a percent effective because a certain percent of like half of the air doesn't even enter into your lungs. Yeah. But but a deeper breath would probably be like you know eighty or seventy percent effective. So I don't know if you, if you're able to deep, breathe a little deeper, it's it's got to be a, a more efficient way to go. I don't know. I'm not. He, he's obviously Steve studied breathing a lot more than I have. But I've just I just yeah. remember them saying if someone if if Gary if you're breathing like uh, over twenty times a second, your breathing is ineffective. And maybe it's twenty five. But yeah. we need to slow you it's down. And, uh, and and get you yeah. to take some deeper rest because you're not getting it into your very much of the air into your lungs. I mean that's yeah. all there is to it. Uh, and that's one thing I've all, I've really in probably the last year or so tried to get better at that point at breathing. Yeah, and it I know it does help your cardio. It does keep you calm, um, which is also going to help your cardio. Yeah, so, uh, a couple of very important points there. I think. You know, as we get better, it might better. Too, it might be better, easier to breathe. But really, just not caring if you if you lose, if you get tapped, if you, that will help you out in the deep end of the spot. Well, if you get caught, I get cut. That's okay. I'm training, yeah. and and it'll help you. Okay, slow it down. This this calm yeah. things down here. In the long run, I think it'll be better for you. Yeah, definitely. It's like when we first started, we were you know you'd spaz out and everything, and and I remember my instructor John Castillo always saying, "Slow down, take some deep breaths," and and really, I didn't know what he meant at that point. I just was trying with every <laughs> ounce of energy to get out of out yeah. of position. Yep. So uh, the interview continues next week. It's it, it uh, same great stuff, guys, coming at you. Um, it just continues the conversation. If you want more uh, stuff from the the podcast here, we do have some audio books available for you to download. They're fairly short, fifteen twenty minutes each. Um, you could go to the website, bjjbrick.com, or go to the Facebook page and enter in your email address. And then on Tuesdays, it sends out the show notes. And at the bottom of the show notes uh, for the podcast, it will have a link to a Dropbox folder. It's got some books. It's, we have Breaking Your Limits, uh, How to Compete in a BJJ Tournament Even If You're Busy, and uh, Tilt How to Make Changes in Your BJJ, uh, or How to Make Your BJJ Game More Balanced. So that's what we've got in there now. I've got a couple more I need to just edit and put them up in there, but... They might be in there any any day. Yep, so definitely check those out. Uh, let's see. What else? Gary, good news, man. Good news. Good what news. We got? We've got some reviews I'm going to mention awesome. here. Uh, I guess I, I should check them more often, but it's just <laughs> out of all the stuff we got going on. Uh, it Checking, seems to, yeah, that's it, probably it, at the bottom of the list. Well, it's just uh, they're so motivating. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, so, it is. It's neat to uh, neat when we we get reviews. Yeah, Jay Coleman uh, said it, it's great. <laughs> I appreciate the guests as well as the insight from the hosts. That's very nice. That's awesome. And then uh, music is my king size bed. That's the name. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, best BJJ podcast I've found. So awesome. There are others out there. Keep looking, but I'm glad you found us and you think we're the best. So. Yeah, we not appreciate gonna, that. I'm not going to tell you we're not, but there, there are a lot, of, a lot of good podcasts out there. Somebody put their name as Burn, B-R-N, I don't know. Uh, positive and informative. Uh, 
been doing jujitsu for one year, white belt, three stripes, finally get to feel like I'm not totally lost. The podcast has been very helpful. There are others out there, but none like this. Absolutely no egos, just good info in a lighthearted tone. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All those that yeah, were five stars. Yeah, we appreciate stars. that. That's, that's neat. It almost sounds like we wrote those ourselves. That would be yeah, – that's the strategy, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you we did it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, those, those came in I, over the course of February. If you want to write one, uh, we will see it. I don't check them every day, obviously, but, but we, do, we do get to see them, and, and it is motivating. Because like anything, you have days when you feel like, oh, I don't know if this, if this is working out. You get frustrated. Interviews cancel. Uh, you know, editing takes a long time. Sometimes, you know, things happen. And, and, and motivation, like with anything, it goes up and down. But these are always like a good booster shot of motivation. And it really means a lot. Or you can send us an email or, uh, or a message on Facebook, and we really like interacting with you guys. Yep. Or you could fly over Wichita, Kansas and hire a uh, smoke airplane to put the review out over the over the sky so we could see it. <laughs> Typically, like <laughs> typically, that's a little too expensive. But uh, I mean, you're free to do that if you. I guess I don't know who they would hire to do that. Uh, you know, just the just the like the thing There's behind it that companies. they drag the yeah. uh, the little banner would be it would be enough. You know, I, yeah. To have the guy doing loops in the air to spell out things is is uh, yeah, that's very difficult. So yeah, I think that's a better idea. The flyover with the banner yeah. is, is a great way. Yeah, you can get those anywhere. Yeah, Make your own. those are ba- those are cheap. I'm sure they do that for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, firing all day, buzzing buzzing the highway, and having an inappropriate banner that nobody yeah. understands. <laughs> <laughs> that nobody understands. BJJ Brick podcast, <laughs> and then has five stars. What the- <laughs> Send me a patch. <laughs> so. Anyway, we do appreciate the reviews, however you want to send them. Uh, we also have a uh, bjjbrick at gmail.com is a good way. Um, also, if you get uh, a passenger pigeon, uh, I'll keep my window open and yeah, uh, get one in that way. That's yeah, it. And Falcons. All just, Falcons work well, too. They don't have the Falcons don't deliver news, Gary. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. The, the pa- but, you don't know the passenger pigeon story? No, I don't. They used to tie little notes to pigeons' legs, and then they would always like their homing pigeons. They go back to the same place. So if you make oh, okay. where they where they grew up like a like a post office, and then you take them away to like another little town, and you've got a message to give to that hometown, you write it on the pigeon's leg, and like a in a few hours he just shows up. That's a better idea than my idea, which was uh, get about five thousand miles of string, tie it to a can, put it in. You know, put it to our front door yeah. and then drive home. You oh, know, it's like those soup commercials. Away and, and then call us on that. <coughs> like the soup commercials, you know? Yeah, yep. That's a lot of we string. Got, we got some good ideas. Yeah, these are all quality. Quality, quality over quantity is yeah. what we believe. <laughs> I don't even know about that. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, next week it will be uh, Steve Maxwell. He'll be returning for the it's second half. Yeah. Tune in next week, I guess. Not stay tuned. Tune in next week for part two. Yeah. So I think that about wraps up the show. Gary, uh, have a great rest of your birthday. Why, thank you. And uh, I think it means a lot to the audience that you took time out of your birthday to to, to talk with us. So oh, really I cool. want to miss it. This is, I, I enjoy doing this, so I appreciate you uh, letting me on your podcast. So thank you. It's ours, buddy. So uh, 
happy, happy to make the stack call. <laughs> and I didn't even know what a podcast was at that time. Now, now you're all technological. <laughs> now he's got a cell phone, everybody. Yeah. There's an episode out there where you did not have a cell phone. A lot yeah. of them we talked about I'm, that. So I'm growing up. Yeah, times are changing, my friends. We'll catch we you next week. Stay sweaty, my friends. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. To get a bronze in the intermediate is just awesome. Yeah, I mean, but but if, but if he would have, it's not necessarily getting punched. But, you know, my kid's getting slaughtered out there on the mat a lot of times. And when you're a kid, you want to win every time. And I mean, but, but, if, but if he would have...